Hello everyone and welcome to the second episode of the Answer Podcast with me, Daniel Dancer. And today we would like to be joined by Brianna Lafferty, who is a end-of-life doula and she is also an award-winning author. And she wants to share with us today her incredible story of her near-death experience. How are you doing, Brianna? Are you okay? Yeah, it's great. Thank you for having me. That's all right. Tell us a little bit about yourself then. Sure. So I grew up with weird paranormal metaphysical experiences and a rare, chronic, incurable neurological disorder. And they kind of converged in 2017, and that led to me being out of my body for eight minutes and experiencing an incredible afterlife. That's crazy. So, I'd like, so if you want to talk us through, like, sort of what happened, like, when, how old, and everything like that, that'd be great. Yeah, I'd love to. So everything happened when I moved with my family to a small town that seemed inconspicuous at first, but I started experiencing some paranormal activity and started seeing ghosts, but they were, they were fine. They weren't, they didn't bug me none. And, um, I also started experiencing some weird symptoms, like my arms and my legs would start to cramp. And uh, my family just kind of threw it off as um, growing pains. So, you know, I'm 10 years old and pre-puberty, so there's a lot of hormonal changes starting to happen. And then starting to see these ghosts in, in the house and having these weird symptoms, I was also beginning to develop extreme insomnia. And so I wouldn't be able to sleep throughout the night and maybe get two or three hours of sleep a day or a night. Um, and when I did sleep, I was plagued by nightmares. And I was wondering what what kind of awful person I was to conjure up such horrific dreams. And so all of that really started in my early childhood, pre-teenage years, around 10 to 13. And it started with these these ghosts that were really harmless, but then it got kind of evil and dangerous. And I saw an old family doll that we had that had been eyeless for who knows how many generations. We had it in our guest bedroom, and it turned its head, and its eyes that it didn't have were glowing red, and it freaked me out. That was the first time I was really scared. Um... I didn't really tell many people about it because um, my church that I was going to with my family kind of said, you know, these things aren't real, even though there was a pretty well-respected cowboy who moved his family. He lived in a town over, and he saw a doll turn his head, and he moved his whole family out of the house in a week. Um, so it was definitely something real going on, but um, I didn't really share. There is also... This other encounter that I would experience a few times that was also chilling to the core. Um, I'd be in my basement and either by myself or with friends, and we would see this shadow kind of linger across and prowl across the back wall. And it had a top hat and a cape. And it was just, you could tell it was dark and you're, you're filled with fear. So, Unbeknownst to me, my sister and her friends were also seeing this same entity. And we were both telling my mom and not each other. So my mom 
knew that we both were seeing this thing in the basement and we hadn't told each other. Uh, would take another, gosh, almost 20 years to realize the importance of seeing that, that creature. How, um, how, what, how, so how old were you at this point? I was probably 12 when I saw the, the shadow. I could imagine if I see that at 12. That's yeah. pretty, pretty frightening. I'm a bit of a scaredy cat. Yeah, absolutely. And um, my friends that saw it were also frightened. Yeah. My sister and her friends were also frightened. Um, you know, it's when nothing else is moving in the basement and you see the shadow and you see this this resemblance of a man. Yeah, it's absolutely terrifying. Um, so did it, did it feel like dangerous, if you get what I mean? Yeah, like, it did. It felt, it felt dense and dark and dangerous yeah. yeah that's crazy yeah my sister actually we had bedrooms next to each other in that basement and with all her experiences she was experiencing as well she moved out of the basement but she moved into the guest room that had that creepy doll that moved on me so i was like it's no better what are you doing <laughs> yeah um it wasn't until i released my first book white flame and did more study and research on what I saw and what we had experienced that it's actually a well-known dark entity known around the world for showing up to children in basements. Really? Like this thing has a name and there's pictures that people have drawn about this, this thing on the internet and researching it and finding out that other kids have seen this same entity and how dark and evil it is was absolutely mind-blowing but that was 20 years after i saw it that's mental what was it what's it called then um oh gosh my sister had a name for it i had a name for it and then the internet has a few names for it yeah. um my sister called it the party ghost or party man i call it the uh if you search top hat shadow man mm. i think he'll, he'll come up oh have a look at that that's a done yeah. it <laughs> I don't know if I want to um, though. I don't know if I want to just before I go to bed. Well, uh, yeah, maybe maybe wait till tomorrow. But um, <laughs> there's a picture that I really was drawn to. That's it's in a doorway, and it's just this shadow of a top hat and a cape and a man. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's him. And there's some really good research studies that have been put out on on this figure. That's crazy. So how did that? So how well, you fast forward twenty years? Yeah. How would how did that become such a significant part of your life? Yeah. So um in those in those twenty years I experienced more paranormal activity, more dangerous apparitions. I started astro traveling involuntarily and kind of being chased by these dark entities. My nightmares plagued plagued the nighttime when I could sleep, which was rare. I'd often go three or four days with zero sleep. You know, when I did sleep, I wasn't restful. It was full of nightmares. And also at the same time, my medical condition was ramping up. I was finally diagnosed at 18 with myoclonus dystonia. Um, but at that point, they said, you know, they're out of options to treat me. And I was kind of on my own. So cut to 16 years later, we're one in 26. And 2017... Like that gives you my age right there, <laughs> but um, uh, my my mom has always been on a quest to find answers for my illness. It, it's rare, it's weird. Um, it was relatively unknown at the time of diagnosis, 
And we tried not only conventional medicine, but holistic approaches, Reiki, meditation, Chinese medicine, acupuncture, massage, chiropractic, you know, you name it, we tried it. So with my symptoms being pretty significant, she stumbled across something called spirit release therapy. And at this time, by the time I was 26, we had found out that the two young kids who lived in the house before us had played with an Ouija board and had probably opened a portal in that house to whatever Ouija boards open portals to. Um, originally, Ouija boards were designed without harm in mind. They were just a tool to communicate to past loved ones. The unintended repercussions of that, though, was opening these portals where anything or anyone and anything could come through. So um, that's what had happened in that house and why my sister and I saw all the paranormal activity and demonic and dark entities and ghosts even. So we were like, well, you know, I, I may have had an attachment and sometimes we read that these attachments can cause these crazy illnesses, like crazy symptoms that the doctors can't explain. So we figured we'd give it a shot. Um, however, in this process, uh, I was warned that I could get sick and I don't think she understood how sick I was going to get and how long and how many of these entities were attached to me. So we started going through the process. It's a specially trained remote spiritual therapist, um, usually using hypnosis and some other skills to help these entities release from an individual and, you know, help the individual reclaim their life. Usually they try to send the entities into light. Um, but these things were attached and they did not want to leave and I was getting very sick. Um, I couldn't keep water down and I was glued to the bathroom and I was being physically and mentally emotionally drained. And uh, we actually, after a couple weeks of this and I was just getting worse and worse and worse, we asked her to stop and she didn't. So um, it got very, very intense with the entities and my physical well-being, my emotional and mental well-being. And my mom and I decided to go into prayer because things were really ramping up and getting very scary. So we had gone into prayer for about 72 hours off and on. And on April 27th, 2017, two in the morning, I told my mom I was going to hang up and try to get some sleep. We were on the phone in prayer. She was in a different state in the U.S. And... I knew that when I hung up the phone, I wasn't going to be able to sleep. I hadn't slept in a few days, and I was exhausted. But I knew she needed to get some sleep. And that is the moment that everything really changed, the, the pivotal moment. I hung up the phone, and I gave up. I surrendered with every part of me, my soul, my heart, my, my mind, my body, I kind of explained, it's in your hands. I can't do this anymore. And I didn't know who I was explaining this to. It was kind of, you know, just a, if you're out there, if you're, if there is a God and you're out there, I can't do this anymore. It's in your hands. I'm done. And 
instantly in that moment the the weight of the horrible creatures and the the weight felt like millions of boulders being lifted off of me and uh you know a spiky blanket that had just been released and for the first time my whole life really i felt peace and serenity and quiet these things filled my head and my surroundings and my day-to-day life and my night nights and my dreams with screams from you know thousands of concerts just lots and lots of voices and screaming and it was silent it was peaceful it was serene and i i was just in awe that there was this peace all you know after these weeks of building up and so I then heard a booming voice and it was ethereal. Like I can't explain where it came from or where it was, but it asked, are you ready? Well, I didn't hesitate to say yes. And that is the moment I was detached from my body and my near death experience begins. That is crazy. So like, obviously you're going through all this stuff. Like obviously you've been having it from like a young age. Was yes. there any point in your life where you just thought, am I just going mad? Oh, absolutely. Um, or like, would you tell other people as well? Everyone must have been like, well, she, she's well, mad. Well, so I, I didn't tell a lot of people because I was like, Because of that, re- of that exact reason, yeah. Yeah, and then when I did, you know, when we were trying to figure out my illness, I was asked if I saw shadows, and yeah, I did. <laughs> but apparently, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, when I said I saw shadows, they're like, oh, you have bipolar one. And I was misdiagnosed with a mental condition when it was actually a spiritual, physical condition that, you know, they didn't, they didn't ask what kind of shadows, you know, uh, they didn't ask if they're ghost or paranormal shadows. Uh, I guess bipolar see shadows more out of the corner of their eye and it's a different kind of shadow. But I didn't know I was 15 years old going through puberty and paranormal experiences and crazy symptoms of this unknown illness. So we just were trying to be honest to get an answer. It really backfired. So, yeah, I I thought I was crazy off and on for, gosh, a decade or more. (laughs) Yeah. So what was the illness that they called it again? Yeah, myoclonus dystonia. It's a neurological movement disorder. And what sort what sort of pains do you say it was going to cause? So it causes like pains in your arms, your legs. Yeah. So um, this disorder, particularly the dystonia part, is a lot of muscle rigidity and tightness. You ever wake up in the middle of the night and your your calf is cramped? Um, it's like that, but all over the body. And the uh, dystonia also caused really bad tremors, like Parkinson's. Um, so I wasn't able to. I'll put in earrings or do my eyeliner or button a shirt. Um, and I also twitched. So I'd have these weird, like, involuntary muscle movements, which were extremely embarrassing. I would end up throwing stuff, hitting things, hitting myself. Um, I also had a lot of nerve pain where if you see a Christmas tree and the light, you have lights on it and some blink and some stays still, those lights were pain signals. And my body was the Christmas tree. It also came with anxiety, depression, OCD, you know, all the fun mental traits as well. So 
it was, you know, and it just kept progressing. And the more tests we did, the less answers we had. Yeah. So that must have been really hard growing up with something like that. Like, did you struggle yeah. with, like, obviously with making friends and stuff like that due to, due to it? Because you're embarrassed. Yeah, it was embarrassing. My dating life was hectic because the, um, the good men didn't want a crazy looking gal and the, uh, the ones I felt like I was, the ones I thought could love me were actually really awful, awful men. And, um, they, they used the illness against me in ways. And luckily I've overcome all that, but you know, it was hard. It was hard making friends. I never knew when I was going to feel good enough to go out. Um, it was embarrassing to go out with people and yeah, it was very, very lonely. Yeah. It's quite sad, you know, like just, I'm not saying like that, but just, just for you. Yeah. Um, people, the, the people actually go through this sort of stuff and they feel like yeah. they can't like sort of have their own relationships and all that. It was, it was sad while it was happening, but looking back, you know, I'm grateful for all the experiences. Yeah. Like, so then, so then you tell this thing to take you. Yeah. Basically, then, basically and, I said, yeah, do whatever. And, and then uh, boom, I, it hit you. What's that? And then boom, it hit you. Yeah, boom, I was just gone. Like, just completely detached from my body. I didn't I didn't have any awareness of Earth. I didn't have any awareness of this physical body. I was just in complete darkness. But it was beautiful darkness. It was warm. It was fuzzy. It was inviting. It was pure energy. It was love. And gosh, I just felt kind of home. Like I felt like this is where I belong. And I know that the creator is in this space with me and the, the God that I had cried out to that had saved me was, was there with me. And at the, even though I wasn't aware of my body or the earth or anything that had just happened, I had this thought that, am I dead? And three months kind of float by and give me a shit-eating grin as if to say, if you only knew. That took me another six years to figure out why they kind of laughed at me. It's because there is no such thing as death. There is no such thing as dead. It is only a transition of energy. So, of course they laughed because dead wasn't a thing. It wasn't a concept. <laughs> um, and as they disappear, I end up being whirled through a beautiful blue, bright blue tunnel that's filled with ones and zeros. And binary code is being downloaded into my soul. And at this time, I'm only an energy body and energy is being downloaded in, in binary code. And I'm seeing binary code all around me. And I feel like I'm going at supersonic speed. Um, so it was just an amazing amazing event and i end up in this white space and there's huge black numbers in front of me and the energy of a master teacher behind me and when i say master teacher i would compare the energy to many religious texts and many religious teachings uh, master teachers are people like muhammad jesus krishna buddha you know, all master teachers who come here to try to teach us how to live a loving life. And I, I pick up the numbers in front of me and I 
throw them up in the air with childlike enthusiasm. No wonder you love creating, because I realized the universe was created in math. And it was just so exciting. <laughs> um, after that space, I ended up in a place with a lot of other beings. And I say beings specifically because I don't know if they're ever human or not. I just know that they were other souls in this place of holding. And in this place, thoughts became instant reality. So it's even faster than telepathy. I mean, I saw snow and Sabine's sliding down trees. And I was like, I don't think I like snow. And instantly, it turned to lush green green trees that I'm sliding down. And I realized these other beams might be sliding down snow. Maybe they like snow. But I see green because it's what I like. So we're experiencing possibly different realities together. Um, we also would end up dancing as if we choreographed things for millennia. No words were ever spoken. But we just all communicated as if we were one and the thoughts were just instantaneous. There was a time where I had a robotic looking body and I tried flying and I was absolutely awful at it. I ended up severing my arm on a pole, but there was no fear. There was no pain. It was just like, oh, all right, that, that's interesting. What, what's going to happen next? And then I see it regrow with more binary code. And so it was just pure curiosity, joy, and love, enthusiasm. There is no hate or judgment or fear or pain or any of the, the negative lower vibrational energies. It was just fun. So that's where I would spend uh, most of my experience. There's not really a thing like time over where I was. So I can't say the most amount of time, but that's what I would say here. Um, the beans, some of them were able to cross through a barbed wire fence, kind of opening an offense on a land bridge where beyond was really blurry and I couldn't see what existed beyond. And the final part of my experience, I ended up in this, it felt like a small room, but once again, there's no doors or walls or anything, but it felt small. And then seven magnificent beings were behind me. And I just knew they were of great importance and great power, great knowledge. And in front of me is unraveling a scroll. And on this scroll, it's it's being written with beautiful, sparkly, golden script that's kind of popping off the page. And I just know it's something amazing. And that's when my ego decided to come back and decide to, uh, ha you're showing this to a human. And in that instant, the scroll rolls up, the lettering went away, and I popped back into my body. And uh, I will tell you that my heart starting is um, an experience that I've still not been able to explain. Feeling that start to beat again, and that electricity start again in, within the physical body is beyond words. What if was it feel like? Well, okay, <clears throat> so... Um, but, you know, your your heart's just constantly beating, so we don't really notice it unless we get butterflies and or anxious or scared. Then we feel it really, you know, start to beat powerfully. From not not beating to re-beating, it had kind of that similar feeling of just, like, 
overwhelming pounding. Um, and I, I had thought I had been detached from my body and dead for so long that uh, when I opened my eyes, I'd have to try to figure out how to dig myself out of a casket. And that's where all those horror stories come from of people accidentally being buried alive. that They actually just died temporarily and they came back months later. It had only been eight minutes. That's crazy. So what were, the, what were these be what were these beings that you seen? Could you could you could you, could you like see what they look like or? Yeah. So these these other beings just had these also temporary bodies like I did. Um, we all kind of had these little kind of like doll like little bodies, and everyone temporarily had that body. So I don't know where their soul came from. So you know I couldn't tell you if they were what we would consider aliens or if they had been human or if they'd never been you know trying to anything it was just uh it or like was, if they were if they're already there do you like they said like if they're like already there that's like their yeah home. yeah and if they're just there so but i got the feeling that it was a holding place that um souls could kind of an in-between realm you know so it wasn't what i would consider heaven it definitely wasn't hell um, it was just, it, it was just kind of full of joy and curiosity and uh, just a holding place to let the soul kind of get its whereabouts. Yeah. So how did you, how did you realize that you actually did die for eight minutes? So I, it's so interesting because I didn't think I had a near death experience for years, uh, even though in my experience, I had the realization I was dead. And when I got back, I I knew, I felt my heart start again, and I knew I was dead. Um, and I had been dead for a long time. So despite those instinctual knowings, I fought the, the idea that I had a near-death experience for years. Um, luckily, my mom, who researches everything, she had, she had a lot of knowledge on near-death experiences and out-of-bodies spiritually transformative experiences and she knew you know what happened leading up to it so when I told her about my experience she knew that I wasn't a avid researcher or reader or cared at all about the metaphysical so uh, I had no prior knowledge of people experiencing any of the things I experienced and when I told her she was like you know, I think you had a near-death experience. And I was just like, no, that's crazy. Um, she implored me to seek out IONS, which is the International Association for Near-Death Studies. And I went to their international conference the next year, and I heard all these stories about near-death experiences that they saw past loved ones, they had life reviews, they, they went into the light, they were in marble castles of healing, they were at the Golden Gates, you know, all these wonderful stories that mine just didn't have. And I was like, no, that's not my, that's not, that's not me. So that didn't help. It wasn't until 2020 when I was listening to a YouTube um, story about Evan Alexander. He was actually at that conference, but I didn't buy all the days. I just purchased the weekend package. So I missed him speaking. But he shared his experience, and for those unfamiliar, he was an atheistic neurosurgeon who had a near-death experience when he had absolutely no brain activity. 
when he was basically uh, he was basically brain dead and hearing what happened in his experience resembled enough of mine that i realized oh oh i did i did i did have this experience and it hit very very hard i actually let out um a huge scream uh, because it hit me so violently that knowledge uh it wasn't until a year later a year and a half later that i started really sharing about my experience um in full that included the paranormal demonic activity leading up to it and you know everything that happened during it and afterwards that's mental (laughs) yeah it's really interesting it's really interesting because like i could imagine like so you've obviously you've been through a life where you're quite quite depressed and quite anxious and as you said like struggle to make friends and relationships to going into this unbelievable place which is beautiful full of love the best place you've ever been in your life to coming back to earth you like it's it's crazy because like obviously if you're somewhere where you like feel the best you've ever felt in your whole entire life and you got to come back to this Mm -hmm. I i wouldn't feel too good either yeah it took it was really hard for that next year um coming from that place of just infinite love and joy and none of this dense hatred and judgment and i felt i literally felt the weight of the world when i came back i felt like i was stuffed back into a sausage casing and it was really hard i i became even more depressed i became um suicidal even to try to get back you know like you said i had this crazy tormentuous life ahead of time and then i get to experience this this love and this peace just to be shoved back to all the torment um luckily what never came back was the paranormal activity um i was actually saved from that indefinitely which thank goodness now I just have to deal with the, the evil people. <laughs> yeah. That's it. There's plenty of them around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what when you go when you when you're saying over there, you say do you, you say when you were younger you were a Christian? Yeah, I was raised as a non denominational Christian. Yeah. So what are you now after experiencing that? Oh man, after my experience, I came back researching and trying to find the answer. I was trying to find what religion had it right because i know mine didn't mine said there's no such thing as paranormal activities that if you are saved you through jesus christ you you won't be harmed by these demonic entities i was wrong there were demonic things i had metaphysical abilities that they said i couldn't have so i knew my religion was not the right one but when i went searching i i went studying not just different religions but different philosophies as well and i found that no one has it right but also no one has it wrong i think there are nuggets of wisdom um, embedded through everything i think you know people are trying to well first you know they try to describe what what's there and what is god and how to live a life of love and what these master teachers come down here to try to teach us. And then it gets corrupted 
by people who want to use it for power and fear and for their own gain. So these religions change and get twisted. So um, I think the closest thing I believe is omni omniism, which is, uh, if, I'm, if I'm correct, I haven't seen the definition in a while, but it's uh, that multiple religions are both right and wrong. That's interesting, that is. I've always been brought up a Christian, so that's, that's, all, that's all I believe, really. Yeah. <laughs> and you hear, well, you hear so many different stories that you, you end the day, and you don't, no, one, no one really knows, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, and I, like I said, I don't think anyone is wrong. And, you know, I met what I would consider Jesus, but other people may consider him another master teacher. Um, and the God I met was nothing like in the Bible <laughs> at all. <laughs> what did he look like? Um, so I, I didn't, uh, it was genderless. So <laughs> I call, you know, I call it a he just because I heard a more masculine voice ask if I was ready, but, um, just energy. It was so much light that it collapsed in on itself and it was just pure love. So it had no form and gosh, yeah. calling it, it is so, I feel like degrading because it is so much more than, you know, anything. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's really interesting. So then you can then then you obviously go into this life now. So you obviously you've been through that, yes. And then you go into this life of telling your story, yeah. And then you also helping people that are at the end of life as well. Yes. So how does that all work? Yeah. So the one thing that really did help me was started to volunteer at hospice where people go when they are reaching the end of their life and they get extra special care to help that then transition, as well as the family. Um, yeah. The dying like a, body, um, very difficult. Like a, pal like a palliative nurse, isn't it? That's what, yeah, that's so uh, here, here in the States, uh, palliative care comes before hospice, or it could be simultaneous, but yeah, it's basically <clears throat> care of the dying individual and their family, um, just because... The dying body is a lot of work. Um, and so I volunteered for hospice for two years, and it really, really filled my soul and my heart with gratitude and being close to that space again without actually being in it. I could hold that place for other people who are going there. Um, so then in 2019, I got a job offer in Atlanta, and it was, you know, pretty time-consuming and I was exploring the city Atlanta Georgia and uh, then COVID hit and the world shut down and just as I was thinking about starting to volunteer again I couldn't um, because we all went the whole world went into lockdown and so it wasn't until I left corporate America and had a brain surgery that I had to recover from for the illness that I started thinking there's got to be more. And I was told to stop feeding my ego with corporate America and start feeding my soul by, by living my purpose and finding my purpose. And after sharing these stories and writing my books and going on podcasts um, and becoming a death pool and a spiritual doula, I'm changing people's lives in such significant ways. Actually, people are changing their own lives but because of my stories and because of my health. And that is the biggest blessing that I, I never would have dreamed of 
Yeah. Does the people, because you, do you ever explain your story to the dying people? Do you think it helps relax? So them, a, lot relax my, a lot of my clients actually find me because of my story. And they, they're yeah. so comforted by it that they want me there at the end of their, their life to help them transition. Um, I have not told any of my patients my story that didn't already know about it. My patients, my clients, they're not really patients. I'm not medical. Um, but yeah, if, if they didn't find me that way and it doesn't come up, I don't just be like, Hey, I had a near death experience. We're going to a great place, but I can authentically hold that space for them. And if it comes up, I'm happy to share. Yeah. I, I think that like to, for me personally, I'd find that really comforting. If like, sort of, this yeah, is, that's sort of how I got into this. I, I got into this through, um, losing my dad back in November, uh, November, 2022. And I've, I've said this um, on one of the previous episodes, but it's like um, I couldn't deal with the thought of that. And it's just like darkness. So this is how I got into sort of <clears throat> researching about near-death experience, listening to podcasts, looking at YouTube videos. And it just sort of opens your eyes and it makes you feel so comfortable. That's what I, that's what yeah. I get out of it anyway. And that's what, that's what I was saying. I, um, that's what I was saying. That like if anyone even listens to this and I can help one person in this world just going f going through what i went through then i'd be happy man it's not for like profit yeah. or anything like that it's just for like just just to help someone because i know how hard it can be but it's like as i said speaking to people like yourselves it's just it's really comforting well and i'm so grateful that podcasters <laughs> like give near deafers the place to talk you know to tell the story um i've talked to a few others who have either lost their dad recently as well or and um, another one I was on, she had lost her husband suddenly uh, 20 years ago. And this whole 20 years, she has, you know, dived into NDEs and, you know, other experiences. But it's been pulling out her heart to start podcasts to help other people. So I really, I am so grateful that you're, you're holding a place that it will reach other people and it will help them. Yeah, so let's get the views. <laughs> <laughs> share the shit out of it <laughs> oh, i do <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's cool so then and then obviously you're you've gone in from you do this job is this, is this your full-time job then yeah um end of life doula and then obviously you, yeah you're so, writing books yeah um i i'm about to release my third book uh leads to nowhere and that is the whole it combines my first two stories the the white flame about the paranormal experiences the wired to be dysfunctional about the medical craziness and then leads to nowhere is a combination of those two stories and how it led me to being able to heal from my chronic illness so being an author and then um being a death and spiritual doula is my full-time job so helping people transition end of life as well as helping people unlock their own powers of healing their body. I believe absolutely everyone can do it. So, you know, sometimes you just need help figuring out how, and that's where I come in. Where can we find these books? Yeah, you can find them uh, anywhere that books are sold. So major re retailers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Also on my website, if you want a paperback copy, it's B-R-I-0-N-I-C-L-L-C.com. Also, there you can find all the other podcasts, all my books, courses, and more about me. 
yeah, if you you send that to me after, I'll put it in the description as well underneath. Awesome. So if anyone wants to go on it, they can go and have a look. That you can also contact me through my website as well. Yeah, or Instagram. <laughs> yeah, or Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I found you because I, I saw um like um I type in like the hashtags for the reels yeah. and stuff, and I've seen loads come up with you. So you can find you quite quite easy on that. No, that's awesome. I'm glad my that's hashtags good. are working. <laughs> yeah, they do, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully start working for me soon. <laughs> I'm sure they yeah. will. So that seems that we're coming to the end. So what's in the what's in the future for you? Oh man. Um just helping more people. That's really my big life goal now. And um hopefully I get to speak at the Ions conference this year. Like I said, my third book is coming out uh, probably this month or next, and just hoping to change and inspire people, you know, change change their hearts and let them know that there is hope, that you don't have to stay in suffering forever. Are you, are you afraid of dying? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, <laughs> then again, I was never afraid of dying because my life was hell on suffered, Yeah, you yeah. suffered. you suffered enough. And it was literal hell on earth. I mean, I was dealing with dark entities and demons and pain. So um, I I thought even if nothing exists after, it was better than what I was going through. But now that I know where I'm going and how to actually live in this beautiful, beautiful world, um, I'm, I'm no longer anxious or depressed. Um, you know, I've got healthy, good, solid relationships. And I have a thirst and a love for life. So I, I'm not in any hurry to leave, but I am so excited to go. Yeah, <laughs> that's brilliant. Well, um, yeah, well, it's been amazing talking to you. Yeah, you too, um, Daniel. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And I wish you all the best. Thanks. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.